Thank the Lord. This morning I'll be sharing with you quite a lot of scripture. I'll go ahead and let you know they're all on the screen. Well, I'll tell you, I love computers. All you got to do is copy and paste and you don't have to type. It's just so much better. And then we put it on the, on the wall and you can see it. And if you want to turn, you can. But if you just want to listen as we move our way through these pretty rapidly, you can do that as well. Um, I do want to say about our service today and the liberty that we have to worship here in this church. Aren't you glad about that? And this morning, um, I noticed that Alicia came down to the altar and prayed and worshiped while we were singing. And I would like to commend her for doing that and let you know that you have the opportunity and the freedom at any time. To be free enough to come forward for prayer or to come and worship or come bow at the altar. There are churches, lots of churches. There are churches that have developed such a culture of worship that when they know it's time to sing and they're going to do praise and worship, you'll have hundreds of people sometimes in larger churches coming down to the front in front of the altar to sing there and worship before the Lord. That's just the culture in that church. I like that. I like it when people are excited enough about worship, they want to leave their seats and come where the altar is and just lift their hands and worship the Lord. So you always have the freedom to do that here. Amen? We encourage that. We encourage if you need prayer and you feel a drawing, you're welcome to get up and come to the altar and bow and pray. And there may be times... When uh, we stop everything and say, okay, let's all come together and pray with this one. And I have seen times where it just felt like it was the right thing to do to let this person talk to the Lord. We just kept right on going with the service. Nothing wrong with that either. We just want to obey the Lord and, and uh, do what feels right as we, as we honor him. So you have the, the freedom. We don't criticize people for worshiping the Lord in this church. Amen. We want people to worship. The, that's why we're here. And the Lord is pleased with that. Well, today I'm going to share with you, um, I'll be honest enough to, to, to say that I got detoured this week. Um, on your bulletin, there's a, I notice it says, the attributes of God. My God is, and there's a whole lot of things there on the front of the bulletin, it says. And right beside where it says, my God is, it says, holy. Could everybody say holy? I was going to preach this morning. On the holiness of God. But I got sidetracked in the process of preparing for that one into a different direction. Lord willing, we'll come back to God is holy next week. But this week, I wanted to share with you some thoughts about how that God is great. God is great. Now, those three words are words that I would be quite sure you have said in your life many times. How many were raised in a family where when you were a child, you were taught to pray before you ate? Anybody? And when you were taught to pray before you ate, most of the time as a child, it was, God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food. Now, here in our daycare, uh, we have families who attend our daycare that I know are not Christians. We actually have employees who work here who are not Christians. But we teach our teachers always before they eat their, eat their food, whether it's a break, a break, snack, whether, whether it's snack time, not break time, whether it's snack time or meal time, the teachers always lead the children. God is great. Teach them to close their eyes and put their hands together and they always say God is great God is good by show of hands most of you admitted that you were taught that and most of us have taught our children that is that true most of us have those three words are powerful words God is great but what good are those words to us as parents to teach them to our children when we don't even get it ourselves. Uh-oh. Think about that. We teach our children, God is great, God is good. 
And we spend sometimes almost no time thinking about how great God is and developing the relationship and the rapport that we should have as sons and daughters of God. We don't have the intimacy, the relationship, the excitement that we need to have because God is great, but we don't get it because we're preoccupied with other things. You see, the Bible tells us that he is our creator. He is our heavenly father. And we're, that's not supposed to be just words. I love what Galatians teaches us about our heavenly father. The Bible says that we have received not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption. Now, here's what I understand about adoption. I've never adopted a child. Uh, I know some people who have, and I observed families who have. But I do know this, that it really takes zero amount of love for a male and a female to come together and have a child. It takes no love to do that, does it? Oh, come on. Y'all know what I'm thinking there. People have babies all the time in the world. And they aren't in love with each other at all. They make no pretense about it. So you can have a baby and there be no love there. If, If that's true, say amen. Okay. But you know what? If this man and this woman who love each other, they go out here and seek out a child who has no mama and no daddy. Because they love children and they want a child to pour their love on. They go out and adopt a baby. There's love in that one. It's love that motivates someone to adopt a child. So in Galatians, it talks about how that we who are Christians, we've not received the spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption. That is God loved us so much. That he looked out there wherever we were, and it is true, there's another aspect where we're born again. I get that. But Galatians talks about the adoption, the spirit of adoption, how that God loves us so much, he brings us into his family, and we are his children now, and he did that because he loved us. Love was the motivating factor. Now, having said that, then how do we, his children, respond? Here's the way the Bible says it. We've not received the spirit of fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry. Does anybody know what's next? Abba, Father. We got some Bible readers in here. We cry, Abba, Father. Now, you, you, we don't say that in America. We say Daddy or Papa or, or something like that. But in their language, it would have been Abba. It's Daddy. It's Papa. It's Father. In other words... He loves us and we have learned to love him so much that we call him daddy. We call him papa. We squirm because we don't know about the sound of that. It speaks to intimacy. It speaks to the love that we can have for him. We love him so much that we don't view him as a 10 million mile away God. We see him as a present father who watches over us and keeps us every day. And his love is so precious and so real. He loved us enough to bring us into himself. And he adopted us into his family and thereby we out of love to him because he loved us. We just have that that longing to have this close relationship with him. We desire intimacy. We desire love. And we respect our Heavenly Father. Too often, though, we lose that intimacy as adults. We lose that desire to know Papa, Daddy, our Heavenly Father. He becomes to us kind of something as a sideline. If we were to list the things that were important in our lives and really be honest about it, we might not all put Our Heavenly Father at the top. We might list four or five other things before we actually realize, wait a minute. This something's wrong with this list. I've got this and then this and this and this. And then I've got God down here. That's not where God belongs, is it? Where does God belong? The very top. 
first priority in our lives. There's intimacy, there's excitement, there's love. We have this relationship with him that we just could not do without. And so the Bible tells us we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these other things will be added to us. And of course, the Old Testament says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So he's first in our lives. That's the way it's supposed to be. So this morning, we're going to be talking about the fact that God is great. He's worthy of that type of desire on our hearts. He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of whatever it takes on our part to to sacrifice, to make him first in our lives. God is great. We're going to talk for a few minutes this morning about God is great. Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. This is a familiar passage. I'm going to give it to you now, but we're going to come back in a few minutes uh, and look at it closer. But the heavens declare the glory of God. When you look into the heavens at night and you see the stars, in the daytime you see the sun, you see the moon, all that's there and you look into the heavens, you have to understand that God's got to be a mighty, mighty God. He's a big God. He's not um, a struggling God. He's not a weakling. He, his power has not diminished, not one bit from the beginning. God is a mighty God and God is great. Just in preparation for this, I'm looking at some things that, that scholars have come up with. And I found this morning that there are over, we're told, 100 million Over a hundred million stars in the Milky Way. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to even comprehend that. Over a hundred million stars in the Milky Way alone. And that's only a small slice of the pie when you think about all the other stars that are out there. And other galaxies and other constellations. And God put it all in place. Now how many of you recognize that a hundred billion stars is, or a hundred million stars is pretty impressive? It really is. Especially when you consider that our sun, that we seek rise every morning, Our sun is 93 million miles away, and it is the smallest of the stars. And you figure there's a hundred million others out there that we can see in the night sky as we look up. Well, we can see some of them. We sure don't see a hundred million because some of them are so small in our sight. They're so far away. It's amazing. When I thought about that, I considered the fact that the book of Galatians. No, it's not Galatians. It's Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, teaches us that he who builds the house is worthy, more worthy of honor than the house. Now think about it this way. Uh, the point is that if, if you build a house and it is just a glorious and a beautiful house, and people say, oh, what, a, what an awesome house that is. You have to remember that a man built that house. He's worthy more honor than the house because he could build a dozen more just like it. Right? So the principle is that the man who builds the house is worthy of more honor than the house. Now, we stand in awe of the constellations and the sun and the moon and stars. I do. I, on a summer night, or maybe a winter night even, in fact, I'll stand up sometimes and just look at the stars, and I am just amazed. And it just looks like you can, the longer you stand there and your eyes get adjusted, the more and the more and the deeper you can see, there's just stars innumerable there. And how impressive is that? To think that the sun is the the smallest one, and it's 93 million miles away. And how big it is and how long it's been shining and how consistently it shines right on time every day, every single day. God's in control. He holds it all together. And we're amazed at the galaxies and amazed what's in the heavens. But stop right there and let's remember that he who builds the house is worthy of more honor than the house. The stars are impressive. But the God of whom the Bible says, and he made the stars also. I mean, that's it. 
It talks about the sun and the moon. And then it says, and he made the stars also. A hundred million in one galaxy. And the, the, the awesomeness of all that involves, we have to understand that God is a great God. How could we ever doubt the power of a God who could do that? Is anything ever going to happen in your life that is so big that God couldn't handle it? No way. If we're talking about his power, it's unlimited. His power is far beyond what we can even dream. I'm here to tell you today that God is great. God is great. We're going to, we'll come back to the rest of that. That firmament shows his handiwork. But in Psalm 89 verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, And the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord. Now look at that. The heavens will praise your wonders. Not the people on earth will praise your wonders, but the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord. Your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. That talks about what we've been doing here today. So you've got two levels. The heavens are praising the Lord and the saints, the assembly of saints on earth are praising the Lord. And he says, for who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? What's your answer for that? Who in the heavens can be compared with the Lord? No one. That's the right answer. And then it goes on to say, who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? Who? No one. No one can be compared to the Lord. In Isaiah 40, verses 18 through 20, it shows the folly of idolatry. Because the, most of the things that would come between us and God would be considered idols. They're things that we willingly have placed on our plate before God. Priorities that come before God. We've got time to do anything we want to do except read our Bibles and pray and draw close to God. Is, is that generally the way it works? And so the scripture says, to whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? Listen to the folly of idolatry. It says the workman molds an image. The goldsmith overspreads that image with gold. And then the silversmith casts silver chains and hangs it all around it. And then whoever is too impoverished, they're too poor for such a contribution, chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself a skillful workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter and will not fall over. Now that's idolatry. There's other passages in the Bible that talk about that, just like Isaiah 46, 5 through 7, where it says, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? That's an impossibility that you could make anything that could compare to God. Couldn't happen. But yet man, in his warped thinking, He goes out, they lavish gold out of a bag and weigh silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith and he makes it a God. They prostrate themselves. Yes, they worship. They bear it on the shoulder. They carry it and set it in its place. And it stands from its place it shall not move. Though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer nor save him out of his trouble. There's lots of passages in scripture that talk about the folly of idol worship. Another one, one of my favorites talks about how that man goes out and he cuts down a tree. And with part of that tree, he builds a fire and warms himself. With the other part of that same tree, he begins to fashion it and chip away on it and carve it and get it just like he wants it. Then he covers it with gold and then he bows down before it and says... Oh, save me. Now, you got to admit, that's stupidity. It is foolish to think that you could make something and then bow down to it and say, save me. You're the answer to my problems. Whatever I need, I can come to you. 
How crazy is that? Yet in a lot of ways, that's exactly what we do in our lives. We find so many things that we put on our plate, on our calendar. We do things that, that take us away from the answer, the great one. And then we find ourselves no longer having intimacy, no longer having this real love relationship with our Heavenly Father. He's so distant because we pushed Him back and put so many other things in front of Him. We too often allow our devotion and our passions to be misplaced. God should be the first. Yet we allow other things to come between us and him. Revelations 2 would explain it this way. We leave our first love. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Most of us have done it. It's the folly of idolatry. Of of not understanding that God is great. It's not a it's not a waste of time to worship. It's not a waste of time to read our Bibles and study. It's not a waste of time to to give listen, to put God first will be the wisest decision you ever make in your life. Period. You can never do anything that would rival that. That is the first duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man, the book of Ecclesiastes says. So we're supposed to put God first. Why? Because God is great. And there is no one in heaven or earth that can compare to him. God is great. He's adopted us as his children. We need an intimate relationship. One that is maintained. One that that we we, um, nurture and make sure that nothing else gets in the way. We want to protect that relationship. We want to protect that fellowship. Um. This wasn't in my thinking earlier, but you know what? There's a whole lot of things out here in the world today, distractions, shall we say, that will draw us away from God instead of bringing us closer to God. Right? I dare dare say, and you go and say, well, he sounds like an old-time preacher now. But you, you know what? The music you listen to all day may not be helping you at all spiritually. If you hear some of the music I hear from time to time in different places, I'll tell you, it's very, very contrary to everything that the Bible teaches. And so we're sure not helping you spiritually. The Bible says if you want to have peace and you want to have joy in your life, then think on these things. Things that are good and honest and good report. We, we, we sabotage ourselves sometimes. By what we feed our eyes and what we feed our ears. And then we find ourselves, it seems like we're, we're not as close to the Lord as we used to be. I just want to say today that God is great. Now getting back to Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. The clouds, the the sunsets, the rain, the snow, everything that happens in the firmament. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. Now let's stop right there. I want you to look at, at four specific words in this passage. Now the first, the first phrase is the heavens declare the glory of God. What's the third word? Declare. Say it with me. Declare. And then the firmament does what? Shows. We've got declare and shows. And then day unto day what? Utters speech. And then night unto night what? Reveals knowledge. So this says, this this one verse of the Bible says that the heavens declare. The firmament shows. Every single day it utters speech and every single night it reveals knowledge this is the creation of god you look into the heavens you look at the stars you look at the sun and the moon you look at all that god has made i noticed um in the last few days i've seen quite a bit of that i i i rushed out in the yard a couple evenings myself so i could see now, this wasn't a creation of God, but I sure was looking up in that area when I watched it. The space station. 
Anybody else interested in watching the space station? They say on the news the space station will be coming right over Raleigh tonight at whatever time. Well, if I hear it, I'm probably going to run out in the yard because I won't see it. Several times I've watched it just go all the way across the sky. But as I do that, I look at all those stars and all that's up there. Some people were taking picture of the moon, pictures of the moon, just a short while back I noticed on Facebook. In all of its beauty, it is awesome. It is awe-inspiring. It is so much bigger and, and, and massive and greater than anything that we touch or are part of here as far as its scope and what God has done. The Bible says the heavens declare, the firmament shows, day unto day it utters speech, and night unto night it reveals knowledge. The next verse says there is no speech or language. Nowhere can you go on the face of this earth that that is not true, because all around the globe that same thing is true. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Anywhere on God's green earth you go, you're going to see the stars and the sun and the moon and the heavens declaring the glory of the Lord and it uttering speech and it doing all these things we just described. Anywhere you go. And then it says their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. That's an interesting phrase there to me. Their line has gone out through all the earth. I want to illustrate that today. I borrowed a violin from Nelda. Not that she plays it, but she had it. I'm told that this is a violin that my grandmother's father had. Is that right, Nelda? So it's old. It's old. Well, you can see this is old. And you can see this is old too. Is that string? But the Bible says their line has gone out through all the earth. If you look in some Bibles in the in the um, comments in the margin, that word line will be that word line will be rendered sound, which gets us back to declaring and uttering and speaking. So the Bible says that their line or this string line, think harp. Think guitar, think piano, whatever. Their line, their line has gone out through all the earth. Now I know I can't play it. Now, for instance, now I didn't make that up. That song I just played, I made it up, but I'm talking about the scripture. The Bible says their, their line has gone out through all the earth. Their sound has gone out through all the earth. The heavens declare the glory of God. Day and today they utter speech. Their line has gone out in all the earth. There is no place on all the earth where any language is that this is not true. It's true everywhere you look and it's true everywhere you go. I gotta tell you, God is great. And then it goes on to say, and their words to the end of the world. Wow. The heavens declare. Listen, if you go to the deserts of Arabia, if you go to the mountains of Switzerland, if you go to the icy regions of the North Pole, or you go into the warm, breezy islands of the Caribbean, it's going to be true anywhere you go. The heavens declare the glory of God. That's how big it is. And our God was great enough to make all that. Yes, those hundred million stars in the galaxy of the Milky Way. He made all of that. It's been there for no telling how long. I can't tell you how long because he's bigger than that. He's the one who created it and put it there. The Bible says, in them. Next slide, please. In them. He has set a tabernacle for the sun in the heavens. That's that's what's plural in this passage that we're reading, the heavens. In the heavens, in them, he has set a tabernacle for the sun. Now, what's a tabernacle? It's a tent, a dwelling place. So the Bible says, in the heavens, the Lord has set a tabernacle for the sun. 
Now, here's, a, here's an image I had never thought of before until I read this. And you know what? When you look at, when you look at Scripture, all you got to do is just look at it. It's, it's not designed to confuse us. It's designed to teach us some things. So you, you can just look at it and read it and accept it at face value, and you can learn. Amen? So the Bible says that the Lord has set a tabernacle, a dwelling place, a tent for the Son. There's a place where it dwells, in other words. And then you read this phrase. Which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Like a bridegroom. He just got married. Coming out of his chamber the next morning. I'm going to tell you right now, he's a happy dude. He's shining. He's ready to go. Are y'all following me? That's what the Bible says the son is like. He's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Well, that's the way the sun does every morning. As you look across the vast darkness over all the earth and you stand and face the right direction, you'll see that sunrise. And it gets brighter and it gets brighter and brighter every single day. Every single day it rises. It comes out of its dwelling place in the darkness. In this language just being spoken of here. It's rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. It's rising to take on the world. Every day. Everywhere. Like clockwork. The sun rises up out of darkness. Yes. The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens are amazing. But the earth. The oceans. Also declare the glory of God. Sometime in the last ten days or so. Ricky Bell and myself went fishing. And we were out on the ocean most of the day. And we saw some of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen in my life. As a matter of fact, at one point in the day, Ricky said, Man, if we didn't catch a thing, this would be an awesome day. Because as far as we could see, every direction we looked, as far as you could see... There were dolphins coming up out of the water everywhere. There were hundreds of them, maybe thousands. In every direction. And they were just doing like this. And sometimes four or five would come this way and sometimes four or five that way. And they'd meet together. And they were flapping their tails and playing and just having a big time. It's just an awesome thing. What God has put in the, in the deeps of the ocean. The Bible's going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. With all that God has done, Psalm 34 verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. When you think about the creative ability of the Lord in the heavens and in the firmament and the clouds and the beauty of all that happens there. And then you think about the earth and the mountains and the hills and the rivers and the trees and the oceans and God made it all. And he said, it is very good. And then we read this scripture Psalm 34, verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. What does magnify mean? Make it bigger. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Well, you know, and I know, there's no way we can make God bigger than what he is. But in your mind, and in your understanding, you can make him bigger. Because sometimes what we do is we focus on our problems, and we focus on our challenges, And we focus on the things in our lives that we don't particularly like. And our problems just consume all of our sight. And all we can see is things that are bad. Anybody ever been there? In other words, life is horrible. Life is, life stinks. We just, it seems like everything's going wrong. 
And may I say to you that when life gets like that and you're overcome by your problems and your fears and your worry and your stress, and all of us go through it at different times in our lives, when that happens to you, you need to take a look at Psalm 34 verse 3 and, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Make him bigger in your view. I've used this illustration before. Don't even have a quarter in my pocket. You can take a quarter and hold it right in front of your eye until you don't see anything but a quarter. Right? But is that quarter bigger than God? That quarter's not big enough to do anything if you get it out of the way and look at what's in front of you. And sometimes if we would magnify the Lord, if we would exalt his name together like we've done today, But I'm going to tell you, some of us would have changed lives if we worshiped at home like we worshiped this morning. Don't think that the only place you can bow before the Lord or sing to him or worship him is at church with a hundred other people. You can do it at home right by yourself and it'll probably be the sweetest time you've ever had with the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Make him bigger. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. What are we teaching our children? Where does their food come from? Come from him. By his hands we all are fed. And we teach them, give us Lord our daily bread. We teach that to our children and then turn around and we don't do that sometimes. See what I'm saying to you is this little prayer that we teach our children. God is great. That's a massive prayer. We're teaching them something wonderful and we're teaching them something good. We just need to be reminded of it ourselves sometimes. How big and how awesome and how loving our God is. He's not my most heavenly father. That's good. I'm glad he is that. He's Abba Father. We have intimacy with him. We love him. He's not distant. He's not distant. He's not just someone we read about in the scripture that means nothing to us. He is the one who loved us, adopted us, brought us into his family, allowed us to be children of God. He's now our heavenly father. The Bible says we're engraved on the palms of his hands. He knows who we are. He knows what you're going to. And he's just waiting for you to say, God, you are great and I praise you and I have confidence in you and I believe your word and just stand on the promises of God and then watch God work. God is great. Read that with me like it's written, would you? God is great. Oh, that was pretty good. You got the idea of what I was fishing for. Now let's do it like we mean it. God is great. He is great. We need to know that. We need to be reminded of that. Let me share this passage from Romans. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. And I would like for you to pay attention as we read this verse that teaches us from the Bible that there is enough of God in creation, the Bible says, that we should know who he is and understand him and serve him. Let's listen to what it says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because, now listen, what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Anybody who looks into the skies and understands there's a hundred million stars in the Milky Way and understands that the sun is 93 million miles away and it's been burning for thousands of years and it comes at the proper time every morning. We can predict that years ahead of time, what, what time sunrise is going to be. Everything is done with such precision, 
such control, such predictability. God has put this thing together. He holds it together on schedule. And anybody who looks in the heavens ought to know that did not happen by accident. There is a God that's bigger and greater than it all. And we just need to look to him. He, he that made the house is greater than the house. I'm impressed by the stars, but I'm impressed even more that the one who made the stars is Abba, Father to me and to you. He's great. He goes on to say, but because although they knew God, they did not glorify glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts And their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. That is the problem with mankind today. We find substitutes for God. The place that God needs to be maintaining in our lives... Numero uno, the place that God deserves in our lives, we find other things to substitute for that slot. But God is great. And the heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 148, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you as they get ready, you can do, well, don't turn the lights out yet because then I can't see this. Yeah, I can. I got it on the screen. You can go ahead and do everything you need to do to get ready. The final eight minutes to this sermon are going to be on video. The final eight minutes to the sermon are going to be on video. After I read this to you, Psalm 148 and one more verse. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you stars of light. Praise Him, you heavens of heavens. And you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. We've covered the heavens now. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures and all depths, fire and hail. Snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens. (laughs) Nobody's left out. Old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. I want to read that again. For his name alone is exalted. For his name is exalted. His glory is above the earth and the heaven. He has exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. One more verse before this video starts. Bring the lights down, please. Next verse, 150. Read this with me. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's do it one more time. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Before, I, before we go to this video, let me, let me say this. There was a time when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem with his Disciples, he was riding in a donkey. The people were praising the Lord. And some people said, why don't you tell them to be quiet? They're making too much noise. Tell them to be quiet. Tell them not to praise the Lord. And Jesus said something that was amazing. 
He says, I tell you that if these would hold their peace, even the rocks would cry out. Now, you think that's a strange thing? I'd like for you to listen to this video we're about to see. And I can, I can see from Scripture where everything can praise the Lord. Where everything does praise the Lord. Let's watch this. Praise Him sun and moon and praise Him all you shining stars. That's not just a poetic idea. That's really happening because stars don't just shine. Stars also sing. Let me just show you a couple more stars. This one is called the Vela Pulsar. And it's magnificent. It's a thousand light years away. It's a highly magnetized neutron star. Right. It simply means the star exploded into a supernova. And in the case of the Vela Pulsar, it collapsed back on itself in a magnetic entity. And as the pulsar, it began oscillating on its axis. This one oscillates 11 times a second on its axis. And as it is oscillating, you can see what's happening. It's shooting a radio frequency out of itself. When they aimed the radio telescopes at the Vela Pulsar, this is what they heard. And this is what this guy does 24-7, day and night, 365 days a year. This is what, from a thousand light years away, the Vela Pulsar sounds like right now. This is it. Listen to this. Now, I I don't know about you, but that blew me away. I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible. You're like, well, what does it mean? I don't know. Is that some kind of Morse code for something? Or what does what, what all that mean? I don't know what it means. But, and I don't want to you know, go too crazy here. But maybe the Vela Pulsar got wind somehow innately of Psalm 148 verse 3. And says, it says, praise him, sun and moon and all you shining stars. We're a shining star. We should praise him. Well, how are we going to praise him? I know. Let's oscillate 11 times a second on our axis and see if we can send a radio signal into the universe that would join in the symphony of... Of God's praise from all creation. It's singing. The stars are singing to him. I recently stumbled on 47 Tuck. It's a, a beautiful uh, cluster of stars. We'll show you the picture of it here. There are 12 of these super giant blue stars in there. But the things that are of interest to us tonight are these millisecond pulsars. And right now, tonight, while we're sitting in this room, the 16 recorded millisecond pulsars and 47 tuck are making this sound right now. has his own string section. He's beautiful. And we just looked at one 11 times a second pulsar and 16 millisecond pulsars and you start seeing Psalm 48 come to life. But look down at verse 7. It says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps. The, the whale songs could sound like this right here. Take a listen. We don't know the expanse of the worship that is continually surrounding the throne of God. And our songs are great, but God isn't banking on our songs because he is surrounded by a symphony that's bigger than our wildest dreams tonight. Stars sing and whales sing and the birds fly. And I just tried to imagine what would it sound like if you could just for a second be God and hear what he hears. And I can't get us there tonight, but I came close. I had a friend 
do. Help me with this little iPad program. And, and I'm not a DJ, but I, I just a little thing, just quickly. And I, I want you to see how this works. This guy, we didn't look at his picture. He's PSR BO329-54. And he's only rotating one and a half times per second, which is not all that much, but we need him in our little experiment we're going to do here, okay? Um, and then we had the Vela Pulsar. You remember the Vela Pulsar, right? That's that guy. That's a little too fast for what we're trying to do, so we're going to slow that down, okay? second guys in there. The ones you just heard, here they come. Sing 
today we could fill up probably entire afternoon telling stories of how God has impacted our lives and how great he has been to us over our years and he is worthy of that praise we're entering into our time of prayer this morning Uh, if you have a request that you would like to speak out please feel free to do so Uh, if it's an unspoken and you want to just raise your hand we know that God knows the answer and he knows the prayer request that's on your heart today so feel free to do that as well yes sir seniors and spoken. Anyone else who wants to come forward? Our brother has been um, having some health difficulties and has an appointment at Duke tomorrow. And he believes the Lord. He does. I can see that. Would you join us in, in this prayer today as we anoint with oil and pray this prayer of faith? Father, we come to you today as we have acknowledged in your house already today. You are a great God. I pray that you would minister to my brother. I pray, Lord, that you would manifest your power and your strength and your grace and your love in his behalf. 
I plead the blood of Jesus over his life today, and I ask that you would minister and work and move as only you can. You can do what no one else can do. And Lord, we surrender this to you. I ask in the name of Jesus today that you would meet this need. Be Lord of this situation. Touch my brother, Lord. He loves you. He has served you faithfully for years, and you're a God who is able to meet his need today. We surrender it today. And Lord, as you have taught us to pray, because we're children of a loving God, with faith today, we can pray this prayer from our hearts. Lord, may your kingdom come, and may your will be done in the life of my brother today. We thank you, Lord. We praise your name today. Meet this need, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Any other prayer requests this morning? If you'd bow your heads with us. Father, we thank you for the service here today, Lord. We thank you for the sweet spirit, Father, that we felt, Lord. But most of all, Father, we thank you that you are an awesome God. You are a great God, Father. Lord, one that created everything around us, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and they worship you, Father. The beautiful sounds, Lord, that we just heard in that video, Father, we know those are all worship to you. Father, as we lift our voices to you today and bind together with our brothers and sisters in prayer, Father, for each and every prayer request that came forward, Father, you know the needs that were spoken, Father. And Lord, we know we won't always get an answer in our time, Father, but when it's your time, Father, we will see it through. For Father, you care about us. And so Lord, we lay it at your foot today, Lord. We lay it at the foot of the cross and put our problems, our cares upon you, Father. For we know that you will carry the load. You already carried it at Calvary, Father. And the healing, the blessing, the answer is on its way. So Father, bless each and every person that's here, Father. Bless them as they go forth and keep us safe, Lord, until we can come back to worship you again. For we give you glory, honor, and praise in your name. Amen.